3: From Pod World Headquarters. This is the Carolina Insider
2: from Learfield, IMG College.
3: We're back, time for Adam, the first ever standalone Roadhouse Challenge here on the Carolina Insider.
4: What a day. So,
3: if you've been keeping up with this hot news, as I'm sure you have, Adam and I ideated the other day that maybe we should put out the roadhouse challenges as a separate podcast because traditionally when the roadhouse challenges are attached to a regular edition of the pod that's a really long pod we're talking like two and a half hours and I get that that is really really long especially if we're going to do them more consistently like we have been doing recently so we because Adam the Carolina pod is a democracy. We put it to vote. And it was tight, but standalone pod, pretty strong push over the last 36 hours or so, and had a decently comfortable cushion at the end.
4: Number one, I thought it was going to be a much bigger margin. Yeah. I thought we had contaminated the waters enough when we talked about it. I was expecting maybe like 75, 25, 80, 20, somewhere in there. It was 50, 50 all the way. I wonder if we've got some bots voting in our polls, Jones. Well, Adam, I think
3: it just, it goes to show just like the, the, how can you justify that length of the intro? We have our finger on the pulse of our listenership. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, what a way to do it. Varsity Blues. Now normally, okay, a couple things as we go into these uncharted waters together. Normally, of course, as always, we will put the Roadhouse Challenge up to vote. But we went ahead and since on the last Roadhouse Challenge, in which Dirty Dancing eventually took home the title, it was a heated competition with Varsity Blues. So we decided to just go ahead and do a Varsity Blues Roadhouse Challenge. In the future, we will put these up to vote per usual. Maybe. <laughs> and you're not losing any pod. In fact, you've got this pod today. We're going to have a regular edition of the pod
4: tomorrow. That First time ever back-to-back days for the pods, unless I'm... I think the Matt Doherty uh, we went back-to-back days.
3: Uh, that's a little different. So just keep that in mind. You're not losing any pod. You're gaining pod. Right. It's just broken up a little bit so that you can manage your pod listenership. That's all. So, Adam, should we just go ahead and get to it? I would give that idea a 10. Here we go. Varsity Blues in the Roadhouse Challenge. The Roadhouse Challenge.
2: J.C. Penny is coming here because of me. Today. Tonight, we play bingo. Tonight. We beat Bamba! I'm back! You can rally! Hey,
1: Listen! Hey, Toss me one, son! Playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime, but I don't want your life.
0: There goes my hero! Watch him as he goes! There goes my
3: Adam. Varsity Blues in the Roadhouse Challenge. My excitement level is high.
4: I normally am extraneous to this process, but never more so than today when I feel like I feel like I'm about to sit down and discuss The Four Corners with Dean Smith (laughs) or painting with Michelangelo. The thing is this. Okay. Okay.
3: This is a movie full of nostalgia for me. This was just like ultimate guilty pleasure movie from my college years. Because this movie's a little older or a little more recent than most of the movies. In fact, it might be the quote-unquote newest movie that we've done in the Roadhouse Challenge.
4: And it's still 21 years old, which is disappointing to me.
3: It's from January 15th, 1999 is when Varsity Blues hit the theaters. I mean, to put that in perspective, that's only a couple months after that Duke Carolina game that re, that we rewatched. And they don't feel like the same time period to me, but they
4: are. Bill Guthridge is the head coach. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so
3: Adam, what I realized watching this movie is 90% of my vernacular comes from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh so I am, but I'm going to keep it professional, Adam, and I'm going to grade this movie on a very fair roadhouse challenge scale and not let my personal feelings get in the way.
4: I was very perplexed about how to grade it, which we can talk about when we yeah. get there. I think it's a tough grade because yeah. there's, well, we'll get there. Yeah, Don't give
3: away the store. So, Adam... Like we said, January 15th, 1999, Varsity Blues, and a couple things. Directed by Brian Robbins, written by W. Peter, I think it's Eilef, who has only written one other movie in his
4: life, which was Point Break. So, Mr. Iliff, we may see you again soon, sir. He knew one day there'd be a thing called a podcast, and he needed to create some material that would be suitable for that. <laughs> Brian Robbins, Eric from Head of the Class. Is that right? Yeah. The guy with the mullet. That's wow. That's Brian Robbins, the director of this movie. I didn't know that at all.
3: Adam, I think it's also worth mentioning that the time period of varsity, when Varsity Blues came out, like the high school teen movie genre was really ramping up right this is the jennifer love hewitt wheelhouse so you've got the you've got scream was relatively a couple years before this uh you have american pie is coming out relatively just a little bit after this what was it you have with jennifer love hewitt can't hardly wait where she was at the house party. But, I mean, if you say, Jones, look, there's going to be a movie and it's going to be about an hour and 40 minutes and it's going to be centered around one high school house party and all the wacky things that happen around. I'm like, lock me in, bro. Let's go.
4: (laughs) Is it going to star Jennifer Love Hewitt from Party of Five? If so, I will be there.
3: Let's do it. So, Varsity Blues is in this time period where there are a lot of movies like this
4: not a lot of good adults at this point in cinema history also i mean to the point
3: where there was the movie called not another teen movie that like spoofed all these movies so it was uh i think that's just keep that in mind as we go through and also keep in mind look no one's saying varsity blues is a cinematic masterpiece but it is a lot of fun, Adam. <laughs>
4: I was going to say, are you sure that you're not going to say that?
3: <laughs> okay. Starring as Mox, Jonathan Moxon, James Vanderbeek, uh, of course, best known for his role on Dawson's Creek.
4: I had a hard time not seeing him as Dawson. Well, I think a lot
3: of people did. It was hard for him to get this role, he said, because he thought he had been kind of shoehorned in, nice guy. Dawson from Dawson's, Dawson's Creek.
4: When Dawson's Creek was ninety eight to 3 this was ninety nine. Wow, so right in. So the, he's yeah. in the heart of it, which I think, as we'll talk about, he tries very, very hard oh, yeah. to make it clear to you: this is not Dawson. No, this James Vanderbeek uses bad words.
3: I've got an edge to me, right. sir. Some other guys considered Chris Klein, who was uh, in the American Pie franchise. He was the football. What was his name in that? adam stifler <laughs> no not stifler <laughs> um and then i saw josh jackson but i don't know who josh jackson is Oh, that's
4: pacey from dawson's creek oh isn't it i think it is so pacey was considered for the role that dawson ended up playing yeah there what,
3: he is yeah you're right it is him
4: what drama on the set in wilmington that must have been
3: yeah he had pacey witter from dawson's creek Whew. Also, Adam, one of my favorite nuggets is that James Vanderbeek could not throw a football very well. And did you see this? And who the who they brought in? So anytime there was like an actual pass, quality pass made, who was the one throwing it? No. Major Applewhite.
4: Wow. <laughs> yeah. What? Isn't that crazy? Well, but Dawson tried to claim that he had played football up through about the eighth grade. Yeah, but he, think he was he got a, injured. Yeah. well, he won a quarterback, though? Yeah. That's not hard to believe. Uh
3: the Head coach of the West Canaan Coyotes. And Adam, I gotta say, somebody who I think does a terrific job in this film <laughs> <laughs> is John Voight. John Voigt crushes it in this movie, and you will never convince me otherwise.
4: John Voight is completely and fully committed to the role of Coach Kilmer, and there's not a lot of shades of gray in his performance. I think that's fair to say. I mean, John
3: Voigt has been in stuff forever it's not even worth like listing the
4: stuff that he's been in because he's been in stuff forever since the 60s uh, th- there's no questioning his credentials as an actor i think the bigger question is what made him decide to take on this particular role yeah well it was a challenge adam <laughs> but he, he faces that challenge head on john i need you to play a complete one note bad guy you got it okay i'm in
3: never show weakness adam. <laughs> never show weakness And Adam, then, quite honestly, we get into some sad stuff here because a lot of people who have been in this movie are dead. Paul Walker, who played Lance Harbor, the star quarterback of the West Canaan Coyotes, of course, went on to huge fame, mostly in that Fast and Furious franchise, passed away. That's sad. Ron Lester, who played Billy Bob, he had, I think, he lost like 300 pounds due to a surgery, and I think his complications from that surgery or like his body couldn't handle he had an organ failure
4: well he was up to 508 pounds at one point yeah
3: he's and he's not small in this movie
4: and then got down to about 200 and there was a really sad article on it might have been on Grantlin, where they went and followed him around as he was trying to restart his acting career and he talked about how he had basically ended his acting career by losing weight and that now no one knew who he was or took him seriously And so, as you said, ended up having uh, liver problems. Moxon's little brother, Joe, I think it's Pickler or Pitchler, I'm not sure.
3: He was young in this movie, and he is presumed dead, but is basically missing. Just went missing one day. There was a note that led people to think that he was uh, suicidal, and
4: he's gone. Yeah, uh, a lot of... A lot of unfortunate circumstances surrounding it, and I'm not sure I ever fully realized that was Paul Walker. Yeah, but it obviously is, and like you can see it when when he's on the screen with Dawson, which is what I'm going to refer to Mox as. Uh, Mox. Uh, Paul Walker is clearly a movie star, like just in the the way he is. Yeah, and Dawson is clearly a TV guy.
3: Who's on? Who's doing a movie?
4: Right, he's in a movie. With a movie star,
3: Paul Walker. Paul Walker is pretty, and he's great in this movie. Yeah. Uh, tweeter. Another guy I liked. Played by Scott Kahn. I like him. Tweeter is, uh, Adam, he's the bad boy of the group. Let me, and let, <laughs>
4: make let me rephrase.
3: I like Scott Kahn. <laughs> <laughs> tweeter has some lines in this movie that would not fly in 2020. We'd need a rewrite. Yeah. Uh, Wendell, the running back. Elisle Swifton who was actually a not an actor. He was a football player who they got to do this movie. He actually played at Stanford and then had a cup of coffee with the Kansas City Chiefs. Did he play against the Tar-Yels in the Sun Bowl? <laughs> I don't think so, <laughs> but he may have played in like that. Remember the, they yeah. played back-to-back years, 97, 98? Yeah, he might have been Maybe on Maybe he teams. was there. You never know. I mean, we could know, but that would take some effort. Right. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> you could never know basically that's an impossible question to answer (laughs) okay just a few more darcy allie larder in her first movie role ever lance's girlfriend who goes through a journey on the movie
4: and disappears for half the movie yeah well
3: yes she hits her peak midway through the movie and then the rest of the way she's gone she's like
4: all right guys i'm done don't
3: really need her much anymore uh amy smart who we know that i love adam So don't you say one negative thing about Amy Smart. Now, if you want to say something negative about her character, Jules, who is Mox's girlfriend and Lance's sister, you following all this? You can, because let me tell you, Jules is a bit of a wet blanket. (laughs) Uh, Sam Moxon, played by Thomas Duffy, and Joe Harbor, who is Lance's dad. Unbelievable performance by Richard Lineback. And then... Chet McNerdy, played by Mark Walter. Sheriff Bigelow, played by Brady Coleman. These are all people you need to at least, because I will say, there are a lot of people in this movie, Adam. There's just a lot of characters. Well,
4: West Canaan's a big town. 8,500 people. Turn out the lights when you leave to go to the football game.
3: Okay, Adam, anything else we need to set the scene or set up Who's uh, who we're going to be following on this journey?
4: I was just going to tell you uh, who the biggest movies of the year were. Surprisingly, Varsity Blues is not in this. Although group.
3: it was number one in the box office for two weeks. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Don't you say anything yeah. bad about Amy Smart. That's right. I told you, this is like discussing the Four Corners with Dean Smith. We're trying to score, we are not stalling. Don't you say anything bad about Phil Ford. 1999 box office number one. The Phantom Menace. Misa
1: called Binks. Oh,
4: number two, The Sixth Sense. I see dead people. Number three, Toy Story 2. What is rounder? Right here every day. Uh, number four, The Matrix. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Wow. Number five, Tarzan. <laughs> I was a little surprised. No Oscars out of this movie. Um, some of the uh, the winners for this cycle. Uh, Kevin Spacey somehow beat out James Vanderbeek.
3: Well, Adam, you may be counting Oscars. Have you counted the nineteen ninety nine Teen Choice Award? <laughs> <laughs> James Vanderbeek won the Choice Movie Breakout hmm. and the Choice Drama Movie of the Year. It was nominated but did not win. What one? Do you know? That would be Cruel Intentions. Oh. Cruel Intentions. (laughs) It was up against Enemy of the State, Ever After, A Cinderella Story, October Sky, Pleasantville, The Phantom Menace, Stepmom, Varsity Blues, and then Cruel Intentions.
4: Let me tell you something. I like October Sky.
3: Didn't win, I'm sorry. <laughs> 1999 MTV Movie Awards, Best Breakout Performance. Again, James Van Der Beek, the winner. Hadn't he
4: already broken out? He was Dawson in Dawson's Creek. But not on the big screen, Adam. Uh,
3: uh, Best Movie Song, nominated but did not win. For what? I don't know. I would <laughs> assume There Goes My Hero. Yeah, Or It's Just My Hero is the name of the song. And then, uh, best male newcomer in the 2000 Blockbuster Entertainment Awards, James Vanderbeek nominated but did not win.
4: So, nothing for Paul Walker. No.
3: This is Vanderbeek's show. who
4: actually turned out to be a legitimate star. This is Vanderbeek's show, Adam. And nothing for Allie Larder in her first role. No. Hmm.
3: So, to Adam's point, really, about James Vanderbeek. He's been in a lot of movies, but I'm not sure there are a lot of movies that you would necessarily say, oh, yeah, or major blockbuster hits. But he has certainly stayed busy, both TV and movies and his life. He has had a successful career.
4: He is absolutely, to me, one of the epitomes of he will always be Dawson. Mm. Like I, I can't see him and not think Dawson Matthew Broderick is that way to me for to a certain extent. He is Ferris Bueller, but someone like a like a Tom Hanks or something. And yes, we're comparing Tom Hanks and James Vanderbeek. Tom Hanks is a lot of different people to me. Tom Cruise is a lot of different people. But for whatever reason, whatever it was about Dawson's Creek, he just was everything about just his even his hair was Dawson. Like the little necklace he's wearing when he's mocks. I'm like "Eh, Dawson would wear that. He he should have totally worn different stuff. Cut his hair different. Everything should have been different. And then maybe he could have not been Dawson throwing a football.
3: Adam, should we get to the movie? Yes. Okay. This is the Amazon write-up of Varsity Blues. So the summary from Amazon. At first, all in caps, backup quarterback Jonathan Mox Moxon, is nowhere close to being a football star. He's perfectly content to stay on the bench and out of the win-at-all-cost strategies of his coach. But when the starting quarterback is injured, Mox is in the game and in direct conflict with his hot-headed coach and girlfriend. I think the girlfriend, she's not hot-headed, but her views are different than his.
4: Well, in the way that's written, the, the coach and the girlfriend could be the same person. That's a whole different movie. Look,
3: Adam, the person who wrote the Amazon paragraph maybe didn't nail it. <laughs> Let's go to Google. In West Canaan, Texas, high school football reigns supreme. When starting quarterback Lance Harbor, Paul Walker, turns up injured. I don't know if turns it up tur- injured. <laughs> oh, heavens to Betsy, look at here, Paul Walker's hurt. The Coyotes' ruthless coach, Bud Kilmer, John Voight, must promote bench warmer. Jonathan Mox Moxon James Vanderbeek to lead the team in its quest for division title. Suddenly thrown into the spotlight, Mox must deal with the pressure of carrying the aspirations of an entire town on his shoulders as he struggles to pursue his own very different dreams.
4: If I was gonna write it, I was thinking about this. I would say uh, Friday Night. Uh, excuse me, Varsity Blues. What if Friday Night Lights was a cartoon? That would be my description of Varsity Blues. It was very Friday Night Lights-esque.
3: I will say the shooting of the football itself I thought was pretty impressive. And we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Adam, right away I wrote MTV Productions! The Astronaut Guy.
4: Yeah. Well, and when the astronaut guy was going across the screen, I was like, "What? what is happening? And then I remembered this was during the time when MTV thought they would make movies. Yeah. This could have totally been a movie that they made for MTV, the television channel. Yeah. Remember when they, they tried to make like a couple movies? This would have fit perfect for that.
3: Adam, it starts with a monologue from Mox.
4: Well, before that, it starts with the Varsity Blues title oh, card. Yeah. And you see like- I had never seen this movie sit down all the way straight through. So
3: yeah, that's important to know. Adam was in the dirty dancing realm that I was in where he's seen some pieces, but not the whole thing. Whereas I've seen this movie
4: multiple times. When the, when the varsity blues title card comes up, you've got the red, white, and blue in the background. And you think, is this some sort of really important, like military appreciation? I love America type of movie. And then within about 60 seconds, you realize, no, that's not what this is. No. Adam, in America, we have laws. In America,
1: we have laws. Laws against killing. Laws against stealing. And it's just accepted that as a member of American society, you will live by these laws. In West Canaan, Texas, there is another society which has its own laws. Football is a way of life. As a boy growing up in West Canaan, Texas, you never questioned the sanctity of football. You just listened to what the coaches said and tried as best as you could to win. Win at all costs. In this quick monologue,
3: we get a lot of information. Yeah. Which is something you can say, really, about Varsity Blues in total. There's no subtlety or nuance. They're just going to tell you everything you need to know. Because, really, after the first 15 to 20 minutes... You know absolutely everything that you're going to need to know to watch this movie. So, they make it clear that in West Canaan, Adam, football is king, essentially. And you quickly learn about your main characters, Mox, Billy Bob, Lance, and Tweeter. That's what it says on the back of their jerseys. They've been playing football together since they were little. In 1964, <laughs> based on the film footage. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> of the projector is going, and you also get a quick little shot of Lance's dad and Mox's dad, who will be important in this movie as well, and their feelings about how important football is. Adam, then you, uh, you get something that I love in movies, Adam. You get the small town radio guy. Good
2: morning, Wes Cannon. Creighton Miles here. Looking forward to seeing you tonight at Bud Kilmer Stadium as the Coyotes take on the Beanville Bulls.
3: You then meet Moxon's brother for the first time. And again, in the lack of subtlety, Moxon's brother is younger than him. And throughout the movie, he keeps going through all these different extreme religion changes to Adam, in my discerning eye, to compare religious not cults isn't the right word, but strong religious beliefs to football in West Canaan, Texas, which is supposed to be West Texas.
4: It's really hard to believe that the Academy voters missed <laughs> on that connection. I think it just went right over their heads because it was so subtle.
3: Mox has a game tonight because he's on the team, but it becomes clear that he never plays. He could play tonight? Do I ever play
1: no, but... Lance is the best quarterback in the state. Why well, would would want anyone but him to play. And then, Adam, way to jinx it, brother. He goes... What if Lance gets hurt? Hey, don't even think about Lance going down. That'd be a disaster. Why would you say that?
4: Well, I enjoyed that when uh, when the, his dad's sitting there and they're having breakfast together, his dad's reading a paper on which the headline is Lance Harbor. But yeah. That is the headline. What more do you need to know? 64-point type Lance Harbor. What more do you need to know, Adam? That's the story. I
3: enjoyed they go from one scene to the next. When Mox is done talking to his brother, last thing Mox says. Pray for the health of Lance Harbor. Then the first thing the dad says in the next scene. Son, you uh, pray for playing time. So, Adam, that should tell you where these two guys are. Yeah. Mox is on the team because his dad wants him to be on the team. He's decent at football, but he's the backup quarterback who never plays, and he's okay with that. Whereas Mox's dad needs
4: Mox to be a star. And I just want to make sure I fully understand this. So, at this point in the movie, is Mox being recruited by Brown at all?
3: Not to play football. He's Solely a- for academics. Yes, he's trying to go to Brown on an academic scholarship. Right.
4: Okay. So, they're not interested in Mox, the football player. Okay, we'll get to that later because that's a little confusing.
3: He is just trying to get out of West Canaan, Adam, go to Brown. Okay. Now it's time to go to school. Billy Bob is picking everybody up. Billy Bob is the aforementioned larger gentleman who is an offensive lineman on the team. Ron Lester. And pulls up to Mox's house. Great line. Hey
2: Mox, you skinny. <laughs> ass <bitch>. Let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
3: Wendell, the running back, is in the back of the truck. And Billy Bob's pig named Bacon is also in the truck. They slap Bacon into the back. Billy Bob says, I love that dog. Moxon says, I think it's a pig. Billy Bob says,
4: yeah. (laughs) I wasn't sure I agreed with the seating arrangement in Billy Bob's truck. I feel like Lance would be sitting shotgun. Well, Mox would be in the back. If you're Wendell, aren't you a little ticked that if you were the first one to get yeah. picked up,
3: you couldn't sit in the seat up front? The pig's up there? Yeah. But the pig will slide over for OX. <laughs> I enjoyed the music then when they pull up to Lance's house. You get like this reverential music begins to play. There is a full billboard in Lance's front yard proclaiming him an all-texas quarterback it's on the billboard (laughs) you can't dispute these facts (laughs) then it's time to go pick up tweeter hit nice guys finish last (music) tweeter immediately adam lets you know that he's the jokester as he moons his friends and says, "Good moonin', boys. Good moonin'." And he has a West Canaan tattoo on his backside.
0: Oh,
3: tweeter. Oh, boy. Now, if you're not sure, you learned that football's pretty big around here, Adam. Because they're driving through town, you see all the banners. The as soon as our heroes pull up. To their parking spot in school everyone in school just runs to their car and let's,
4: just, <laughs> let's just run to the car and see how they're doing it's like 7 42 in the morning and here comes billy bob and the entire school converges on his parking space yeah cheering
3: yeah hey lance is here billy bob i, I mean
4: wendell Mox. i have been to high school i don't ever recall that happening that's
3: just because it didn't happen to you adam
4: i've never participated <laughs> in that in any way
3: uh, we're going right to the pep rally because they're playing Bingville tonight. Time for a pep rally. The high school fight song. Texas A&M wore him. And, Adam, it is loud. Everybody's cheering. But then immediately, Kilmore gets him to stop a little Nazi, I thought, kind of overtones because he just puts his hand straight up and everybody stops talking.
2: Tonight, we play Bingville. Tonight, we beat Bingville. In my 30 years of coaching at West Canaan, I have brought two state titles. And 22 district
4: championships. Count it. It.
3: Do you know what two years the state titles were? One was 89. 87 and 89. That was so that's good. a long time ago. Yeah.
4: Well, and that's, that's a
3: run, though. Two and three years.
4: Yeah, but nothing in the decade since then. That's my question. Two state titles doesn't seem like an equivalent amount to the amount of this authority tex- he this has.
3: This is Texas football, Adam.
4: I know. So, so I think he'd be run out by now. You've gone 10 years without a state title. Coach? The stadium's named after him. He's not going anywhere. There's a statue out in front. Was that statue designed specifically to mimic the statue of Saddam Hussein? It looked Ooh. exactly like it to me. Wow, I have no idea. It looked exactly like like When they were talking about it at the end, I expected the people to pull it down like they did the statue of Saddam Hussein.
3: Let's look it up.
4: I, I just, I was a little concerned about Coach Kilmer's coaching credentials. I, I didn't feel like his bluster matched up to his record, as honestly happens quite a bit. No word
3: on whether or not the statue was based off something else. Well, all right. Nice little window into Coach Kilmer's thoughts, Adam, because he says,
2: And this year, God willing, with your support for this great team, I will bring... Number 23, Go
3: Pack! Go Pack! I will bring you number 23, Go Pack! (laughs) Because they're the Coyotes, or as pretty much everyone calls them, the Coyotes. Yeah. Brings up Lance Harbor, and oh boy, Adam, Lance Harbor has the school in the palm of his hand. I was lying in bed last night. (laughs) And, uh, I drifted off to sleep, and I had a dream that we were beating Bangville 14-3. But uh,
4: I woke up kind of sad.
3: But then I cheered up when I realized it was only a dream because
4: I know we'll beat Bangville by way more than that.
3: Paul Walker gives it something, Adam, that I think we need to discuss. Right. It wasn't the hang loose. No. It was the full I
4: love you hand signal, right? But it, with the hang loose motion. It wasn't hook them horns. No. Because the horns weren't yeah. there. They yeah. were straight up and down. I don't know what that was, but it looked cool when Paul Walker did it. Well,
3: oh, yeah. And he gave the little hand. Twi- Is a that little like hang the loose twist?
4: I mean, that couldn't be a coyote, could it? Is was that the West Canaan hand sign? I don't know. <laughs>
3: So, I don't know, just doing that hand sign back and forth to one another. We're
4: now making that the Tar Heel hand sign. (laughs) Anytime you see us at the game, just give us the old Tar Heel twisty hand sign.
3: So, kind of similar to Christmas Vacation, Varsity Blues is just a bunch of scenes that are put together (laughs) to keep the story moving forward. So, then you jump to Mox is with his girlfriend, Jules, and they are proclaiming,
1: that they don't like being in West Canaan.
2: Tell me this insanity is over in a few weeks.
1: Five more games. No more football. No more Kilmer. And if I get into Brown,
4: no more West Canaan. You're selling that scene a little short. There's three people in that scene. There's Dawson, there's Jules, and there's Dawson's jeans. Yeah. The
3: jeans are enormous. They are I'm not I don't think they're acid watched, but they're the lighter denim. Right. And they really flare out. At the bottom. Substantial. Yeah, big time. Yeah. It was kind of like that, what draft was it? Like the 03 draft where everyone is wearing suits that are 800 times yeah. too big for them. This was the ramping up to that point.
4: At one point, Dawson started running in these jeans, and I did, that was the most impressive athletic feat that I saw him do, that the jeans didn't trip him up in any way he was able to stay on his feet. And then, Adam, comes one of the most curious
3: <laughs> pieces of dialogue in the entire movie. Wow. Well, I just don't understand it. I'm so high praise. Jules says,
0: No more games on Friday nights.
3: Mock says, You don't like games on Friday nights. And she says,
0: I like trains better.
3: And he says, Really? <laughs> Adam, what are they talking about? I've seen this movie many times and
4: I have no clue. Well, I think you uncovered the answer to this in your research. So Adam and I watched the trailer to that- get ourselves hyped. <laughs> that was Jones's pump up music. <laughs>
3: before we get before we got started and there is a whole big part of the trailer that is some scene between Mox and Jules where they are i don't know if they're taking each other's breath away or not Adam, but they are hanging out they're certainly thinking about taking yeah.
4: each other's breath away
3: and there's so a big chunk of the trailer is actually a lot of dialogue between the two of them from this scene that does not appear in the movie right It's like deleted scenes, but it's a trailer. Yeah. So were there trains involved in that scene? That's a question we'll never know the answer to.
4: We only got an hour 46 of Varsity Blues. If we had gotten an hour 56... Yeah, we'd know. We might know. We'd feel much better about things. All right, it's game day. It's game night.
3: Creighton Miles, the voice of West Canaan High School Football.
2: Hi, everybody. This is Creighton Miles, the voice of West Canaan High School Football. And the Coyotes tonight will play play the 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 Beanville Bulls, Bulls, and they they try try to stay stay undefeated. undefeated. Joining me in the booth is Stubby, Stud Daddy Tanner, (laughs) former defensive great for the Coyotes.
4: I think that if you're a big-time defensive tackle in West Canaan, if you can manage to swing your nickname being Stud Daddy and you go by that for the next 40 years, you've made it. That's a victory, I think. Yeah. Like I I don't know that it's ever going to happen that this pod is going to be Jones and Adam Stud Daddy Lucas but I would like it to be, and I like all his, his colloquialisms. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. These two gentlemen, by the way, actual announcers. I believe that 100%. Of football in Texas. Yep. Uh, so they're going to Bingville to play the game. Stud Daddy Tanner lets us know. Well, just one thing for those Bingville fans, if their granny lives in Bingville, you better
2: tell her to move because the couch are coming to burn her house down.
4: That's awfully aggressive. No. That's no rules just right, Adam. That's just the way Coach Kilmer plays. Yep. They're going to burn Granny's house, take their win, and their district title.
3: So you're in the locker room pregame, and Adam, ooh, big part of the movie. Lance is in the training room, and he's getting a shot in With, his
4: knee. with the door wide open at yeah, this door
3: point. door wide open. And Mox sees Lance getting the shot in his knee.
4: As does everyone on the team, because again,
3: the door is wide open. Forgotten to shut the door. Coach Kilmer, noticing a little late that the door is open, goes to close it. What does the door say, Adam? Exit with courage. Return a champion. The camera zooms in as the door is closing. Boom. Right there on the word courage. Game's going on. Mox is on the sideline reading a book inside his playbook. He has Kurt Vonnegut inside his playbook. Loose football bounds over to the sideline. Mox picks it up and fires an absolute rope across the field, Adam, to the uh, pudgy official who gets the 100 mile an hour spiral right to the gut.
4: Great throw by Major Applewhite. Yeah, what a throw. In the stands, Lance's dad says, That's about the most action your boy's seen, ain't it? Lance's dad is kind of a butthead.
3: He. And Mox's dad, both very much living vicariously through their sons. You get a play in the game. Billy Bob blocks about 87 dudes to lead into a touchdown. And Adam, uh uh-oh, Billy Bob's got some concussion problems. Billy Bob! (laughs) Trainer! Wakes up, first thing he says. Do a score. It's all about football here, Adam. (laughs) I did enjoy how Mox became the medical expert. Yes. Yes. The doctor came out, was holding up fingers, and Mox says, It's got
1: to be true-false. Billy Bob, the man's holding up some fingers, true or false? True. (laughs) And then Mox just goes, He's all right, coach.
3: Don't worry, big time win, 35-17 over Bingville. Kilmer, who realized Mox had a book in his playbook, or suspected it during the game, then rips the playbook away, finds the book, and lets Mox know, if your daddy hadn't played his heart out for me, I'd cut your ass.
4: Which is a little different than how he describes his daddy later in the movie. Kilmer's... Well, he becomes a little unraveled as the movie goes on. Kilmer does? Yeah. yeah. His assessment of Mox Sr. seems to change as the movie goes. Also, big time, uh, maybe the peak for Reebok cleats. A mm. lot of product placement for the Reebok football gear in this movie. Reebok and our good friends at Coca-Cola. Two companies that very subtly were part of this. So then, just to continue your
3: understanding on everyone's relationship, we go into the locker room after the game. Game
4: ball goes to, surprise, surprise, Lance Harbor. (laughs) I have a question. Can you name one defensive player for the Coyotes?
3: Well, I know Chet McNerdy's son is on the team because somebody has McNerdy on his on his uh the back of his jersey don't know if he plays defense number 40 plays defense because he makes a lot of tackles i don't know who that is though and adam fun side note there is uh since the director's last name was robbins he made one of the players have the last name robbins that you saw a couple times in the locker room so so no i don't know if any of those guys <laughs> play defense or not then okay so everybody loves lance again lance is the star pretty good running running the ball wendell pretty good run the ball wendell yeah. Really not bad, boy. How you feeling? Talk tired. It's my knee. What does Kilmer say, Adam?
2: Never show weakness.
3: Never show weakness. The only pain that matters—the pain you inflict. So, Adam, we have established that Lance is the darling. That Kilmer is cutthroat, all out. All that matters is winning. And Adam, there's some shadiness going on with the the medical side of things. In fact, that even gets hammered home even more when sitting at their lockers. Lance asks Tweeter for some pain pills and Tweeter says, Keep them.
2: like I'm worn home.
3: Time for a party. <laughs> you learn that Darcy is head cheerleader and Lance's girlfriend, that's Allie Larder. She uh, also furthers our understanding about what's happening with Lance when she says that she's excited about next year. I just got so excited I think about next year and Florida State in the future. What a perfect place for Lance to go. He's going to – 1999, you got the scully to Florida State. Let's go. You're on top of the world. Yeah. Darcy is excited about Florida State and the future. And very subtly Adam says I think I need to be
4: your wide receiver. I thought they were gonna go work on pass patterns. <laughs> I can totally I can see Darcy at Florida State more than I can see Lance.
3: I'm gonna tell you something, Adam. Even if Lance didn't get hurt, I'm not sure Lance and Darcy were gonna make it in Tallahassee together.
4: No, I don't think so. Not uh, you know, once once Coach Bowden is trying to go through spring practice, because I assume Lance would probably graduate early to sure. enroll and yeah. go through spring practice. I feel like that spring without Darcy, they would have grown apart. But I think she still would have gone there just to see if those two kids could work it out. But then she'd get involved with her sorority. Lance would be doing football, and they'd they'd just go their separate ways.
3: So then uh, Billy Bob's been partying too much. He uh, is not feeling well. You think I'm going to call
1: some dinosaurs? Billy Bob's going to pee.
3: He busts into the laundry room where Lance and Darcy are working on their past patterns <laughs> and throws up into the washing machine and yells, pretty famous line from this movie, I'm back!
2: puke and rally! Yeah.
3: <laughs> Adam, let's just hit the pause button. We've only gone 19 real-time minutes through the movie at this point. Wow. And I'm pretty sure we know everything that we need to know.
4: Yeah. I think that's right. I think that's either tremendous writing or the opposite of that. (laughs) And I'm honestly not sure which. But I think with the exception of I Don't Want Your Life. Right. Every 80% of what you know from this movie is in these first 19 minutes. Well, there's no visit to Darcy's house. Right. And there's no I Don't Want Your Life. Right. Well, what I will say about this movie, again...
3: There are some unbelievable quotes in this movie, I feel like. Because, and I do think this is kind of a cult favorite type of movie. This is not a good movie. But there's so many funny, like, one-line quotes about it and just ridiculous things that happen that I do think it's an enjoyable watch because of that. It Now, I will also say it's very much like, like, there's like the fraternity aspect to this movie too like it's a good old boys movie no doubt right it's It's the the, opposite of dirty dancing
4: it's animal house if they were on the football team instead of in a fraternity yes and and there's no attempt whatsoever to make this be realistic other than like there's a game of football which is a real game that you can play other than that they're not going for realism i don't think And that's why it is the way it is.
3: Well, one thing I wish Varsity Blues would do in rewatching it, Adam, is just accept what it is, which is a ridiculously fun high school football movie. Right. And not try to get preachy about football in America and not. Trusting your trainer because he only wants you to go out and play hurt and all that. stuff. I mean, stuff that is and concussions. And these are all obviously real world things that can be a problem and, you know, are things that do happen. But I wish it would have just been a fun football movie.
4: It's like when Beverly Hills 90210 would try to have a very special episode. Right. Like, all we want to see is Tiffany Amber Thiessen and Kelly, whatever her name was, and Dylan driving in his cool car. But by the time we've gotten here, like, the 90210 of the day is Dawson's Creek, which the whole thing is, like, they're all really serious and have a lot of big problems. So they're trying to shoehorn that into what is basically Animal House on the football team. If, if we could just leave out the, the big problems and the seriousness, I think we'd be left with – we'd probably be left with a really good 30-minute television show. <laughs> so then we go on to the practice field. Coach Kilmer
3: gives the starters a break and tells Mox, Dummy-Os, follow your dummy-O QBs in the Mudbird scrimmage. Mox, and pick it up. Your attitude's earning you laps right now, boy. Mox can't do anything right at him. Nothing he does is good enough for Kilmer.
4: Laps doesn't seem like a Coach Kilmer kind of punishment. No, I see him as more like an up-downs guy.
3: You also see all the dads are over on the side of the practice field watching practice every day.
4: Also not sure Coach Kilmer's got the open-door policy at practice. Well, we're, what, don't you have jobs? What are your jobs? Watching practice. Watching the boys get ready for the next big game. Uh, as
3: Kilmer is hard on the boys, Chet says, he Used to hammer my
2: the exact same way 27 years ago.
3: And then Lance's dad says, Them boys is having the time
1: of their lives.
3: The dads have all done this. Nobody ever leaves West Canaan. It is a rite of passage for all of these boys to be on the football team. Then Mox, Adam, in his rebellious ways, throws out a trick play.
2: What kind of Lulu formation you pulling? It's a secret. Oh, it's a secret. Your dummy O's can't even run a simple draw. And you got secret formations called a oop to you.
1: Oh, it's the opio! Opio! Mississippi Valley State's averaging over 40 points a game with this offense. Overload
4: the defense on the strong side. Burn them one on one on the other. I like how Mox is mostly reading Kurt Vonnegut, but secretly has a bag full of trick plays. Like He's basically Mike Leach. Yeah. But also very cerebral and not really that interested in football.
3: And let me just tell you, spoiler alert, they're going to run the oop-de-oop at one point, and it blows people's minds that there's five receivers on the field. Blows their minds.
4: Including the people in the stands.
3: Yeah, this is uh, pre-run and shoot, I think. Right. Or spread. Uh, Kilmer then tells Mox, You got a bad attitude and you don't listen! And Adam, important line here. You're going to be second string all your life, boy! And that's the internal struggle with Mox, Adam. Is he okay being second string all his life, or does he want more? One of the dads tells Mox's dad, Man, Kilmer loves to bag on your boy Sammy. Been on him all season. And what does Mox's dad say? I stood up to it. So will he. By the way, uh, one of the dads had on a sweet West Canaan hat. I have a West Canaan Coyotes t-shirt, and I'm bringing it to Pod World Headquarters.
4: I was a little surprised that all the West Canaan hats say Kilmer's Coyotes, and Kilmer is in big type, Wh- and the Coyotes you, is in little tiny why type. Why would you be surprised, Adam? That's because I've never seen a hat like that? Kilmer is bigger than West Canaan. Literally on the hat. Yeah. Again, with the subtlety. That you may not pick up on.
3: Uh, Time to go to the barbecue Mm. at Lance's house. Oh, boy. The dads are out there reliving their glory days, throwing back a few cold ones. The moms have gigantic margaritas in their hands. Kids are running around playing. And Lance's dad starts feeling his oats a little bit, wants to throw the football with Lance. Lance, toss me one, son. Uh, They run a button hook right on three, hut, 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 boom, complete.
2: Button hook right on three, hut, hut, hut.
3: Everybody in the barbecue is really impressed at this eight-yard completion that Lance and his dad have just done.
4: Do you have to go on three at the barbecue? Like, can't we just go on one? No, no. Are they trying to draw the defense offside? You
3: may get five free yards and a free play. Uh, so then, of course, Mox's dad wants to do it. He foolishly runs a slant. That
4: terrible play choice. <laughs> I was surprised Mox didn't change it at the line of scrimmage. He knows, like, you've got the, bar, the the fence right there. You're running the slant directly into the fence.
3: I mean, Adam, this, all I did was keep writing down every line. That's pretty much all I did on movie, on my notes. But here's like every. So then, uh, dad, the pass is incomplete, and dad Moxon falls down into the fence out of tough look for, for Mr. Moxon.
4: I bet he wishes he had called something to the middle of the field. Well, this is right up there
3: with Danielson getting yeah. the spaghetti spilled on him yeah. in the kitchen. I mean, this is as tough a look as you're going to get where you not only miss the pass, but fall down and roll into the fence at the barbecue.
4: Yeah, with your arch nemesis slash
3: best friend. <laughs> yeah. With your love-hate relationship laughing at you.
4: Lance's brother. Lance has a brother. Yeah. Oh, younger brother. Yes. Yeah. You yeah pick yeah. up on who that was. No. Who is it? That's Landry. Really? That's Landry from Friday Night Lights. Jesse Plemons is in this movie for like a second and a half. Oh yeah. But still enough to look plenty enough like Landry for me to go. Wait a minute. Is that Landry? And then the Google says yes. One day he's going to play for an even bigger team than West Canaan.
3: No, I'm not sure that's possible,
4: Adam. What a what a change for the family to go from playing from Coach Kilmer. To Coach Taylor. That's the yin and yang of West Texas football yeah. coaching right there.
3: Both sides of the
4: spectrum. That's old school, new school.
3: Whew, just right. It's
4: a lot. Hut, oh. hut, hut, hut.
2: Come on, boy. Hit it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess bad hands just runs in the family.
3: That gets uh, Mox's dad all fired up. Although, honestly, it wasn't the, the hands. It was the pass.
4: And the play call. Yeah. You you just ran a fade on third and goal at the one. So Mox's dad's all fired What's up.
3: What's that supposed to mean?
4: <laughs> it's just for grins. Don't get your panties in
3: a bunch. Then Mox's dad says that his boy would be first string if Kilmer wasn't such a jerk. To which Chet in the background goes, Woo!
2: I smell a challenge. <laughs>
4: Well, and this is where I have another question about the inner family dynamics again, which I know is something they gave a lot of thought to. So Lance's dad is also the dad of Jules, correct? There's Lance, Jules, and baby Landry. Right. They're all siblings. Yes. So Lance's dad is also the dad of Mox's girlfriend. Correct. He's very hard on his daughter's girlfriend.
3: Boyfriend, yes. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, he doesn't like him, apparently. I don't see that. Or maybe it's, but also, uh, they're just, as it says, Look, it's just for
4: grins, Adam. He doesn't mean that. They're just joshing around. He's not joshing. He's dead serious. (laughs) I don't see the Mox-Jules relationship surviving these types of barbs. From Jules's dad. Like, uh, Mike, Mike's
3: got a lot going on in his head.
4: Would you go into the backyard picnic in this scenario in high school and be able to withstand this hurricane force of criticism from your girlfriend's dad?
3: I have one thing to say to you, Adam.
4: It's just for grins.
3: <laughs> Don't get your panties in a bunch. <laughs> so, now the two dads are extra fired up, and we get a relatively well-known scene from this movie where they put the... Beer cans on their heads and challenge the sons to hit the beer cans with the footballs. Uh, so Lance does it, of course. Yeah. First try. To which somebody goes, Show him what you much mighta? Come on, Lance, nail the can, nail it. Get him a body bag. Yeah, it had that kind <laughs> of feel to it. Uh, so then Mox's dad's all fired up. Another great line from Lance's dad. <laughs> And some two now. Man, Jules, as is the case, most of this movie is really disappointed with everybody's behavior. <laughs> <laughs> Mox does not want to do it. Throw the football into the beer can. And then all of a sudden, Adam would go to slow-mo. Which, Varsity Blues crushes some slow-mo. No big deal. And you get slow-mo people yelling at Mox.
0: Oh, Johnny, you nuts!
3: Sit up! The badge shows what you do best. He's
2: chicken.
3: Yeah, he is a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and so they slow it way down, and they get like all this like zoom in on Mox because he's so mad he don't want to do it. His dad tells him to throw it and be a winner. Mox throws it and hits his dad right in the nose, breaking his nose.
4: Who could have seen that coming? No one. The screen turned red. Oh yeah. It just did. in case you yeah. weren't sure what had happened, I did think they.
3: Handled that moment well in the movie where everybody rushed. Everybody's been at a party where somebody gets a little rowdy and gets hurt. And so there's that mixture of there's some people who are really concerned. Lance's dad's like, he doesn't need any ice. Just get him a beer. And then he pulls his hands away from his face and he's bleeding heavily. And everybody realizes the gravity of the situation. (laughs) It's like last year on Memorial Day when my dog ate the corn cob.
4: (laughs) It's all fun until you have to go to the vet. Yeah. And pay, pay the after hours fee.
3: All right. It's the next week at school. We go to Miss Davis's class, which is sex ed. And Adam, unfortunately, we can't really repeat any of this scene. (laughs) Then the scene ends. (laughs) Yeah. The end. Pedro? Although there is one key note that happens, and that is Billy Bob is not feeling well. Mm. And seems to be having some ill effects from the head trauma he suffered in the win over Bingville. Uh, you then go to the nurse's office, but Adam, again establishing Kilmer's authority over the entire school, he just walks in, goes, "Go on now," <laughs> and the nurse
4: leaves the room. I don't know why, but my favorite thing John Voigt says in the entire movie is,
2: "That's my soldier, William Roberts."
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, Billy Bob saying that he's not feeling good. The nurse doesn't think he should play, and Kilmer goes, "Well, she don't have no division title to win, does she?"
2: I'm going to ask you, son, are you ready to go? Yes, sir. That's my soldier, William Roberts. Now you rest here, take advantage, see you at 4 o'clock practice.
3: Holy smokes, we then go to the game, and the freaking Greenville Hornets lead in Bud Kilmer Stadium 21-17 with a minute 49 to go. They got to have a fourth down stop to get the ball back and have a chance, they being the Coyotes.
4: We need 11 anonymous defenders yeah. to play as one. Hey. Number 40.
3: Get out there, Forty! need need a big hit from you, Forty. You also see Billy Bob, who's been trying to play through the head trauma, is really struggling on the bench. He is huffing hard on the oxygen. Uh, Which they wheel the actual oxygen tank and just sit it by the bench. They get the big stop on defense, and now it's time for Lance to go be the hero and win the game. But Adam, first down play, Billy Bob faints. Lance is crushed. You actually hear the knee like break on the mo- <laughs> on the movie. Oh boy, Adam. Zoom to Lance's dad in the stands. Lord, don't do this to me. Darcy's crying. The announcer says he's never heard the stadium this quiet. Everything's wrong.
4: I enjoyed when the radio guy said,
3: Lance Harbor, laying there on the field, and
2: you see his future going down the drain, committed to Florida State.
4: Real sense of the moment there, and just basic human compassion. Yeah. Also, not fully, Varsity Blues writer, not fully trusting the audience there. In case you didn't realize his future was going down the drain, let's have a voiceover from Stud Daddy's compatriot that says, you see his future going down the drain stubby uh stud daddy
3: tanner lets us know that mox is coming in play-by-play guy adam yeah and you've taken more
2: snaps than he's taken
3: now you learn more about kilmer here he's all about winning adam because all you've ever seen him do is just rail on Moxon. but when mox is going into the game don't worry son i'm behind you i don't think that he believes that adam Somebody in the crowd, I think Chet. Hell, there goes the season. Oh, no, it's the sheriff that says it. And then Chet, one of my favorite lines in the movie, Adam.
2: Moxon ain't worth the
3: charm extra soft he wipes his butt with.
4: They've never seen Mox play in a game. No. How do they know? I mean, then Stud Daddy Tanner says. You know,
3: Moxon quarterback. Here. Yeah, they say this guy scratches himself better than he throws a ball. Well, I mean, they could not be piling on Mox anymore. He's on your team.
4: Is Stud Daddy on the team radio network? Yeah, that's the West Canaan Coyote sports network. That seems harsh. I can't imagine Big Grit saying that. So first
3: play, what does Mox do? 40-yard bomb to Tweeter to get him in the red
4: zone. When that ball was in the air, I said out loud, he overthrew him. Because I I just thought that would be what would happen. Tweeter was open. It looked like a simple play, and it would set the scene if Mox overthrew him. But no, right in the old bread basket. So here's the problem out of there. Out of timeouts. Stop
3: to stop the clock. The clock's still running. The clock's still running. (laughs) Then the Greenville Hornet mascot on the sideline says he makes it really difficult because he puts the Hornet Hex on the Coyotes
4: by saying Hornet Hex. Give me the Hornet. Boogity, boogity, boogity on the sideline. The mascot's not supposed to be able to talk. Well,
3: maybe he's just saying that to himself and sending those vibes out to the field. Hmm. The clock's still running. The clock's still... Everybody in the stadium is concerned that Mox doesn't know that the clock is running. Mox decides to stop the clock by then firing the football into the mascot's head. Lightening the mood in Bud Kilmer Stadium for a moment. Well,
4: but not the most efficient use no, of the clock. Probably just cost yourself two more seconds, at least.
3: So then, Adam, in what is a recurring theme in this movie, the play call from the sideline are the most obvious play calls of all time. But Mox doesn't understand the signal, although it's very clearly "I right." <laughs> the the assistant coach, who also doubles as the trainer, by the way, right. covers one eye and s- mouths the word "I" and then points to the right. <laughs> He wants the I-formation right. Yeah. But Mox doesn't understand. So what's he going to do, Adam? Let's just run the old Philly special. We're just going to run the throwback to the quarterback as time is running out. So he hands off to Wendell. He throws it back to Mox. Gets some great blocks. Scores a touchdown. Wins the game.
2: This is not the formation. That's not the formation. Go. Mox <laughs> in here. Off the ground, throw back pass, complete. he's Touchdown! 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 Good
3: what does the announcer say?
2: Mike Kilmer pulls off another one.
3: Unbelievable! Let's go to the hospital. Mm. Tough moment. Adam, I got bad news.
2: Hands tore every ligament he's got. He's gonna need several surgeries over the next few months just to repair them
3: all. All Lance's dad is worried about is recovery time. All Kilmer wants to know is will he be back that season? (laughs) Adam. Minimum year and a half,
4: if ever. Not a lot of attention to detail on the medical side here. I think it's fair to say. All we need to know is Lance is out. Yeah. And he's not coming back in the course of this movie.
3: What about Lance's ride?
4: Scholarship to Florida State.
0: Lance's ride. His scholarship to Florida State.
3: The doctor is amazed there's been no problems before. Adam, he said he removed a lot of scar tissue from his knee. You shouldn't have even been playing. Kilmer says, never said anything to me. Oh, Kilmer. <laughs> there is not one thing that Kilmer does in this movie that makes him likable. Not no, one.
4: You never even get, like, the quiet dinner with his wife where she's like, yeah. those boys are your sons, and he's like, I know, I just got to push them. No. Like, we never even get that. No. He's just straight bad. Was Kilmer ever good? No. he Like, even Darth Vader like, had a little like bit of a light 30 years ago,
3: side. was he good when he got into this profession? I don't for think the, so. For the kids.
4: No. I, I think he was always in it for Bud. Well, if there's a football game out, there's
3: got to be a party to go to when it's over with. <laughs> So Darcy just
4: leaves Lance at the hospital immediately. Yeah. Like Dawson leaves and she's like, all right, peace out. Looks like this is a family thing. So she's going to go to the party with Mox. It's a family thing except for you, Jules, who allegedly is in the family, but really they never interact with you.
3: So she's riding in the car with Mox, starts changing, very aggressively throwing some signals Mox's way. Um... He picked up on those signals better than the I-right. Yes, he did. Uh, Mox says things will be fine with Lance. You two love each other. But, Adam...
1: Things change, Mox. You're the starting quarterback
3: now. That just sums it all up right there, Adam. So, Mox says he doesn't feel right going to the party. Drops Darcy off despite her heavy advances. And she says...
0: You don't always have to do the right thing, Mox. We'll continue
3: this anytime you want. So, the party's on. Tweeter and Billy Bob don't seem to care about Lance. They are going full throttle at the party. Tweeter steals a cop car. (laughs) Talks back to the cops.
4: Says, I'm going to jail while he is stealing the car. Yeah.
3: Mox goes, uh, since he didn't go to the party, he's going to go to the Mini Mart. Grabs a Coca-Cola. And is going to pay for it, but oh no, Adam. The attendant just pushes that Coca-Cola aside, slaps down a six-pack of beer. Mox wants to give him money for it. Ah,
4: oh, your money's no good here.
3: Word traveled very quickly. Overnight, Mox is, well, not even overnight, within hours, yeah. Mox has become the most important person in West Canaan, Texas. Yep. I said, well, he the town was really deserted when he just started walking around drinking his six-pack.
4: Yeah, where were they all? I don't know. I guess either at the party or in bed. Or at the hospital uh, conducting a vigil for Lance. I enjoyed the music right here.
3: The song Wayward Wind was playing. I didn't love the music in this movie.
4: No, I didn't either. I thought for an MTV movie, a surprising lack of Songs that either were about to be big hits or that you immediately place and go, oh, yeah, 1999. I mean, there were, again,
3: they just went for the direct hit on the songs that, like, the lyric that the song was saying perfectly summed up the mood of the scene or something like that. There wasn't a whole lot of musical nuance there, shockingly. (laughs) Uh, Tweeter pulls up with some girls in the cop car, wants to know if Mox wants to go party with them. No, he doesn't. Instead, he's going to go and talk to Jules by throwing rocks at her window to wake her up.
4: (laughs) I thought we missed a chance there, again, in a movie of nuance, for Mox to throw the rocks and it's like a missile that breaks her window. Yeah. We know his arm's strong. Yeah. He's got a rocket. Why not show it off? And You know he's throwing a lot of rocks at Jules' window. Again, this is one of the places I had trouble with the timing So, Jules is now home from the hospital? Yes. This is the same night. Yeah, this is a long night. Yes, very. And she's, like, clearly at home, ready for bed. Like, where's the parents? Did they stay at the hospital? Did she drive home alone? Well,
3: and how about, did she need to throw down the line where Mox was like, I didn't wake you, did you? And she said... I was lying in bed named my unborn children. Ease up, Jules. He's just trying to come see what's going on. (laughs) So, Adam... Mox sums it all up. Look, Lance is hurt. Mox is battling with his newfound fame. It's been a really weird night, says Mox. It has been. Uh, Okay, let's go to the diner. And, oh, boy, the sheriff and Chet are just talking about how lawless these boys are. I tell you, these players nowadays, they're just running around lawless. They all hopped up on on beer and and painkillers is what it is. Painkillers. And, Adam, they even exposed themselves to the girls practicing the Christmas pageant at the Alano Club. That's how lawless these boys are. They're just doing everything wrong.
4: Stealing cars. I think this is a tough call. I think of all the scenes in Varsity Blues that we can't repeat exactly as they were. I think that might be the one that is the funniest in its real life. And when you hear it watered down a little, you don't fully get it.
3: Yeah. No, again, the sheriff and Chet, their interactions on screen are absolute gold. Comedy gold with these two.
4: I would say this scene and then uh, perhaps the scene at the nightclub. Uh Kilmer just happens
3: to be at the diner as well, overhears this conversation.
4: They didn't know he was sitting right there.
3: No. He's right there. Look, Adam, he needs to know our my boy's too much trouble for you. Oh no, uh, uh-uh. coach. They're just kids.
4: The law in this town is Bud Kilmer. They make an offhand
3: comment about how Moxon played okay, but you know what Kilmer says? sure doesn't have what Lance had. Kilmer never gets over Lance's injury
4: ever. No, no. Two people lost their football careers on that night.
3: Time, uh, Adam for another game. We're going to Waynesboro home of the Broncos. Yep. I did think it was cool where they show the convoy of the cars following the, uh, school buses to the game. I thought that was a very realistic thing.
4: That was a very Friday night light shot. Yeah. Uh, Big win 66 to 3. Well, again, with Bud Kilmer's strategy, you're up 59 to 3, and you still got Mox in. Yeah. Who's your third string quarterback? Tweeter, as we learn later, but yeah, you're right. You willing to bet the whole season on Tweeter under center? I know I'm not. Stud Daddy's taking twice as many snaps <laughs> as him. I, I think Mox should have come out of the game. I think you've got to develop somebody in all these scrimmages with your dummy O and your dummy O QB. You've got to develop a backup to Mox.
3: So, Adam, Mox is flying high right now. Comes back. Somebody put a sign that says Mox is a fox on his car. Miss Davis drives up. She has a suspiciously nice car, which he subtly comments on. Yeah, That's a nice car. Teacher's salary. And then, Adam, boy, an all-time actor, really, in cinema history. Olin Buchanan of of KPJT comes up the local radio station. His first question as I don't, he has no equipment other than a microphone right. and some kind of box tape, yeah. like hooked to his belt yeah. buckle. Right. Or his, you know, like his waistband or something. Yeah. So is he live? Are they live He's on live. the radio?
4: Lance hears it live on the radio.
3: Oh, you're right. Cause we do see Lance in the, in the hospital room. Uh, he wants to know, I thought a very insensitive question, Adam.
1: This is Olin Buchanan of KPJT. Mox, how does it feel to be out of Lance Harbor shadow and showing everyone that you've been underrated?
3: There's no good way to answer that. No. Uh, Mox says, uh, (laughs) g." Lance has big shoes to fill. He can never be as good as Lance. Mox plays it the PC answer. Then, Adam, a curious question where Olin Buchanan
1: asked Mox... And we all want to know about your plan to play ball in the Ivy League.
3: So it seems like we know Mox wants to go to Brown. He can beat Waynesboro
4: 66-3, to so obviously he's going to play ball at Brown. Well, and where were these rumors taking place? Everyone is convinced he's terrible.
3: Until the last game and four plays.
4: Right, until the Waynesboro game. Sure. Well, and we've both conducted a few of these post-game interviews. I don't know, even at the high school level, that it's appropriate to walk up to the player who's talking with his girlfriend and just hop right into the conversation live on the air. Oh, yeah. You got to give him a little like, hey, we're live on uh, KPT or whatever. Could we get a JT? Yeah. Could we get a couple minutes with you? And then uh, Mock says, yes. Jules either stands there, excuses herself, whichever she wants. And then you conduct your interview. Olin just hops right in. Aggressive.
3: Hey, hey, he's not known as the best in West Canaan for nothing. That's true. Uh. Moxon answers, heck, I don't know. He then thanks God, his teammates, and says he's only one man. Froze under the pressure on that one.
4: Well, I thought that was weird. That was very un like That's not the Mox we need. It
3: just shows, Adam, that he's trying now to play this part of something that he isn't.
4: And he would play it after one game and three plays?
3: Somebody put a sign that said Mox is a fox <laughs> on his car. Olin Buchanan is puzzled by the answer. Jules then tells him,
2: You know, you're a scary superstar.
3: <laughs> because she is not happy. Look, it's a, I will say it's a tough situation for Jules. She wants Mox to do well, but she, he's doing well because her brother got hurt, and she and Mox had always been kind of the anti, anti-establishment in their own little way in West Canaan, and now Mox has just fallen right into line and is taking all the accolades and is enjoying falling into being the starting quarterback.
4: I got to tell you, I think it's got nothing to do with Lance. I never see any semblance of any kind of brother-sister relationship there. I'm not sure
3: don't. I honestly don't think they have one scene where they speak to each other, at least that we saw.
4: I'm not sure she knows he's her brother. I I think this may be something that they're all trying to keep a secret from her because they don't ever talk to her. So I think it's more about... She's very she she's losing her mox is what it feels like may be happening. He may be slipping away. So Adam, now we're going to learn
3: that, oh, now there's a giant Jonathan Moxon billboard up in their uh in their front yard, and now Mox is on the newspaper. So one game and he's got he's got the whole town in the palm of his hands. Yeah. Everything is right right now for Mox and Adam. Certainly things will stay this way, the rest of the movie. <laughs> they go out to practice. Oh, Mott calls the hook and ladder. It's a play for Billy Bob, but oh, he's confused and he can't catch the ball. It looks goofy doing it. Nice. Everybody has a good laugh at Billy Bob.
4: I know Billy Bob's supposed to be not very smart. I caught that. But are you so not smart that you can't remember this one play? That it, like Is this the play where I act like I don't know what's going on? Yeah. The only play for you. We're the gonna, only play.
3: We're going to pass it in the seam to tweeter who has run a button hook on three he'll catch it and then underhand it to you billy bob that's th- the
4: play i thought he made a fair point that he was not an eligible receiver
3: don't worry about that
4: Abby. once tweeter catches it all bets are off then then all the eligibility is out the door
3: i absolutely love kilmer in this scene when he sees the hook and ladder where he blows practice dead he's had enough at him. even with moxon succeeding he asks him when did the circus come to town i didn't see no trucks then gets up in Moxon's face, hits him with the whistle. Stick to the basics. Stick to the basics. Stick to the basics. He calls Mox the dumbest smart kid he knows. Thought that was actually kind of a funny line. And then all of a sudden, Kilmer's in his office after practice, and he has invited Billy Bob in. And, oh, boy, he is not happy with Billy Bob. And, Adam, you really see the difference in the level of care that Kilmer had given to Billy Bob in the nurse's office when he was trying to butter up and get him to play. And now when he calls him... You're
2: fat, you're slow, all of a sudden you're lazy. And if it wasn't for you, I would still have my starting quarterback wondering what happened to you.
4: My coach, my head... I don't want no excuses. I want you to fix it. Billy Bob, in a lot of ways, has the most sides of any character. Oh, yeah.
3: Most people feel as though Billy Bob stole this movie.
4: You know who else felt that way? Yes, I do. Dawson's agents. Or excuse me, representatives who, according to Billy Bob, which again, we don't know if that's exactly right, uh, were very concerned that Billy Bob was stealing the movie from Dawson. I will say, I, I was wondering about this. Is there anyone other than Allie Larder who could have played Allie Larder at this exact moment in time the way she did?
3: Well, Adam, what a good time to bring that up. Because Darcy invites Mox over to her house that night from school. At school, she invites him over to come over that night with the great line of... It's
1: half-price night at the gun club. My folks never get home before 12.
3: Mox tries to talk about Lance. She says, nope, this is about you and me. And you can come over anytime after 7. Mox is now having an internal struggle, Adam. (laughs) As he does a lot in this film. Mox has a girlfriend. Jules, and Darcy is Lance's girlfriend. But it's pretty clear that Darcy is making some aggressive moves on Mox. So what to do? Mox asks why he always has to be good to himself as he's in the mini-mart waiting to purchase protection.
1: Why be good? I'm always good. Where's my upside to being
0: good?
3: Kyle, his brother, comes and is in yet another... Religious change where he calls himself the great and honorable El Ali Akbar Shabazz Da and then Mox decides that he's going to go over to Darcy's house and Kyle makes the purchase Kyle purchases the protection yes because Mox can't buy that Adam he's too well known in town well but they know he has a girlfriend okay high school Adam (laughs) Uh, goes over to Darcy's house and Adam, probably the most, honestly, probably the most famous scene from the movie, uh, where Darcy and Mox are kind of having this awkward conversation. She says she's going to go meet, uh, or make some ice cream. She, an ice cream sundae, she goes into the kitchen to do so. Mox is like freaking out. He's seen pictures of Lance and Darcy. And, uh, then she comes out in her whipped cream bikini. Very, uh, honestly,
4: relatively famous moment in the movie. I I think the most famous moment in the movie, whether you've seen it or not. One thing I learned is that evidently when you go to gun club, you don't have to take your guns. No. You just leave them in the den. Yeah. Mox, after a moment, Adam, a moment of weakness, shuts
1: Darcy down and says that. There's Lance (laughs) and then there's Jules. And I, I don't know if I love Jules, but I might. What I do know is I don't love you, but Lance, he might love you. And Adam, then
3: Darcy, lets it all out there, says... I don't
4: I love Lance. It's never about love.
0: It's about me getting a better life.
3: And bemoans the fact that now that Lance is injured...
0: Now I know he's probably going to stay in West Kane and be the manager of Walmart and Coach JV football.
4: Which, again, if she doesn't love him, makes no difference to her. But yet she's acting like she's affixed to him. But she just said that she wasn't. So these two things don't really go together. Mox covers Darcy in the blanket. Yeah. Are we not concerned about when the parents get home and they're like, uh, Darcy? Why is there whipped cream on the couch? There's a lot of whipped cream on the couch and on the blanket. Mm. Why is that?
3: She fell asleep with her Sunday. <laughs> it's a move she's made before. That's how she got Lance. Yep. Um, oh, all-time moment in school where Mox, comes up to Wendell it's really Wendell's biggest scene yep the running back and he he mocks he tells Wendell that he needs to meet him at the mini mart at 10 o'clock tonight and then Adam you learn a little bit more about Wendell where he is bemoaning the fact that he feels like Kilmer doesn't care about him at all and is just using him because he's a good running back
4: I felt like I didn't realize this level of anger from Wendell was coming. Yeah. Did, did Mox know he was that angry? When well, he walked obviously up to him?
3: not. Even though Mox says, I hear you, man, Wendell says, You don't hear me, man. Do you know how many yards
4: Wendell averages per game out of 133. How many yards I average a game?
3: About 100. 133. That's right. Do you know how many touchdowns he has all season long? Only three. Yeah. And he broke each one of those for 20 yards plus. You know how many touchdowns
2: I have? Three. That's only because I broke for over 20 yards each time.
3: So you get this really kind of racial overtones where Wendell, who is African-American, says that every time that they get down in the red zone, that Kilmer is purposely not giving him the ball Mm. and letting Lance score on a sweep or a rollout to a receiver, which is you see a lot of quarterback. There are a lot of quarterback runs for touchdowns in this movie. Yeah, well, that's how you get your quarterback hurt. I have a question, Adam. Do you think Kilmer would call Texas Tech or A&M for Wendell? You know who's doing Wendell's recruiting? My mom's been doing my recruiting. She's got Grambling coming to see me. Damn, Mox. Thought you knew. That's how Wendell ends this until Mox thinks about it for a second and then says, I'll get you in the end zone. Wendell thinks about it for a moment. We cool, Mox.
4: That's all it took. Wendell's on a roller coaster this moment at his locker. I mean, he, red lines, and then, eh, if Mox has got my back, then we're good.
3: Yeah, everything's fine. Um, Darcy then comes up. It's awkward, but Mox makes it not awkward. But then Darcy aggressively kisses Mox, even though they just said they were friends. Jules sees Mox kissing Darcy, and uh uh-oh, Adam, things are falling apart. Yeah. So then Mox, now here's another, a long day and night. Because then Mox goes to the drive in called Top Notch Burgers, where Darcy or where Jules works to try to explain the situation. But Jules, while fulfilling orders, kind of like a Sonic, where it's right. like you've got the drive up and but you've got the one person in the booth, she says What a
1: Kodak moment. Star quarterback Johnny Moxon having a gut check minute about who he really is.
3: Well she is mean. Well, to be fair, he had been mean to her. He says... Jules. And she says... Mox. (laughs) These are big-time lines. (laughs) And I thought a pretty smooth play by Jules to get him to leave uh, announces on the PA that star
4: quarterback Mox is right there at her window. And then the whole town wants to come see him. To which two dozen people who didn't know he was there before then swarm his car. Yeah. So, Adam, here comes a scene we
3: can't really talk about. That the... Outing that Mox has been organizing is a trip to a Gentleman's Club for Lance, Tweeter, Billy Bob, Mox, and Wendell. And Brett, the owner of said Gentlemen's Club, puts him on the house all night. It's a Thursday night, Adam. Yeah. They have school tomorrow and a game. They're playing Elwood tomorrow. At one point, Billy Bob gets on stage because he says he's there to work. Uh, hot for teacher hits Adam and whoa Miss Davis works at the gentleman's club. They walk out of the. Uh-huh. Gen- I'd give it a ten. <laughs> I
2: give it a uh, a ten, a ten.
3: The next morning hits hard, Adam, because they walk out of the gentleman's club and it is seven o'clock in the morning. Did their parent are their parents
4: not aware that they've been gone all night? It seems. And how did they stay till seven in the morning? Yeah, like what was occurring between five and seven? There's other patrons still there? And five sets of parents didn't notice their kid didn't come home on a Thursday night before a big football game? Where's Wendell's mama? Is she out talking to Grambling? Yeah, she's running his recruiting. You'd think she would be on top of things a little more. Yeah.
3: Well, Adam, I think then we go straight to the matchup With Elwood. And I have to say, I think it's the first time ever that Thunderstruck has been put to a team playing poorly. (laughs) Because, of course, the Coyotes don't play well because their five or four of their most important players were out at a gentleman's club until seven in the morning. Kilmer is unhappy in slow motion. He spikes his headset, throws his notepad. They lose 20 to three. A lot of turnovers. Overthrows, mistakes. Billy Bob jumps off, or is a false start. As you can imagine, Kilmer is not happy. We're in the locker room.
2: The hard work of so
3: many sacrificed by the disrespect of few. So somehow Kilmer already knows what happened because he walks right up to Moxon and says, "You sacrifice the honor of this football team and the town that supports
2: it." You poisoned my team, son. Hope last night was fun. Hope it was fun. Was it fun? Was it fun?
3: Billy Bob's crying. Kilmer kicks him out of the locker room. You cost me my perfect season. How's it feel? Huh? You
2: disgust me. My star quarterback is dragging his leg around cause of you. And on top of that, I gotta sit and watch you cry about it.
3: Everybody goes home. Mox's dad people are saying you organize an all-night drinking party and then Adam that leads to probably the most famous line from the movie You got the opportunity of a lifetime Playing football at West
1: Canaan is not the opportunity of a lifetime. Your attitude's wrong. Your tone of voice is wrong. This is your opportunity For you! Playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime But I don't want your life.
4: Multiple takes of that scene Uh, Dawson says the first time he did it, he did it very low key and they kept trying to amp him up and add a little more each time. And there's even a take that didn't make it in where he adds in an inappropriate word that that,
3: even made Adam's potty mouth blush. Yeah.
4: And that's what got the reaction shot from Dawson's dad that he, he was surprised that Dawson would use that language. Mox's brother comes in with bacon, the pig. And that makes
3: Mox realize that Billy Bob is, is having a tough moment and he finds him parked in the middle of the football field at Bud Kilmer stadium, throwing his trophies onto the field and shooting them with a shotgun
4: at very close range. Yes. I wrote down, uh, if I was going to try to summarize this part of the movie in just one sentence, things get very serious when the kid who had been on a crucifix says, Billy Bob dropped off a pig named bacon. Like, like, that's the mood of the movie. That's how you know things have turned serious when that occurs. But I felt like I thought Billy Bob was going to be throwing the trophies up in the air and shooting them. Like, like skeet shooting like them. Skeet shooting. But he just he kind of throws them a couple feet in front of his truck and then shoots them. And he's yeah. not getting a lot of kickback from that shotgun. No, he's not. So I, I felt like there was no one's wearing safety goggles. There's a lot of safety concerns that I have with this scene. Yeah, Billy Bob
3: is distraught that he has ruined everything. Moxon says, who cares about Bud Kilmer's 23rd District Championship? I
4: don't. I do! I do! Man, Coach loved me like his son. Treat me like one, too. He told me to protect Lance, and I didn't.
3: So it's clear that... Being a part of the West Canaan Coyote history is really important to Billy Bob, Adam. It's all he's it's got. all he's got. Then, Adam, after Mox kind of breaks the mood and, you know, eases things up and Billy Bob hands him the gun, on the scoreboard, there's a poster advertising a meet and greet with Coach Kilmer, which you could just do at the diner, but they're having a meet and greet. Like taped to the bottom yeah. of the scoreboard. And Moxon takes the shotgun and shoots a hole in it which also has to shoot a
4: hole in the leg of the scoreboard. Well, I think because it was hanging below the bottom of the scoreboard, maybe he hit it Mm -hmm. below the scoreboard part. Either way, I think there's some possible vandalism going on here. Good
3: news is the Coyotes still have a chance at the district championship, which will send them to states. But they got to beat Gilroy. And Adam Gilroy just dropped down from 4A to 3A. They've been killing people. They've been hurting people, according to Sheriff and Chet, who came to the Moxon's house meet with uh, Mox's dad just to make sure that Mox is going to quote stick with the game plan.
4: Mox's dad says that he will. That's what we came to hear.
3: Thank you, Sam.
4: Were they threatening him? Yeah. What was the alternative? Uh, if he had said, "Well, you know, Mox is a wild card. I can't promise what he's going to do." <laughs> they be, you're under arrest.
3: <laughs> this whole house is on
4: lockdown. I'm sorry. I, I didn't understand what the implied threat was like we're going to put in the backup we don't have a backup also you're not the coach you're the sheriff
3: you're the law mox gets his full ride from brown in the mail yeah a very a one envelope like tiny envelope that his dad said had come like a couple days ago or yesterday and of course full academic ride to brown something any dad would be proud of right adam not mox's dad he can't change Johnny, I'm real proud about Brown, but I need to talk to you about Gilroy. Oh, this upsets Mox. Gilroy? Yeah. Tell me who wins. You go back to the practice field, and Kilmer, after practice, tells Mox, disobey me, and I will bury you. And this is where Kilmer goes full heel, Adam. If it wasn't there yet. I know about your scholarship to Brown. I got your grades under
2: review. And don't you think for a minute that I can't with your transcripts and get this whole deal blown for you.
4: That, this is where I think it gets very confusing about, so are we supposed to believe he's going to play football at Brown? Because otherwise, the West Canaan football coach has connections in the admissions office yes. at Brown?
3: That's how powerful he is.
4: I took it to mean that perhaps it was Coach Kilmer who was starting these rumors mm-hmm. that were brought up live on the radio about Mox playing football in the Ivy League. And is it even possible that perhaps coach Kilmer doesn't even understand?
3: Well, they don't have scholarships in the Ivy League for for athletics, oh, right? Oh,
4: now you're just completely picking nits. <laughs> I, I I this whole thing didn't the the, the didn't all fit together to me. But I, that's it's a it's a small quibble. So
3: then Mox is distraught. He doesn't know what to do. So who's he going to go see?
1: Jules? The electric dialogue of... Then quit. Okay. Then play. You don't understand.
4: Bring on that 1999 MTV Music <laughs> Award, baby. Well, see, Dawson and Joey would have had like a 20-minute conversation about this. But Dawson and Jules, it's a little quicker, a little more succinct. Jules,
3: tired of hearing his complaining. You want some cheese with that one?
4: Why don't you just
2: step up and play the hero?
1: A hero? Come on, Mox. You're a football guy. You're gonna tell me you don't know about heroes.
3: But heroes win. But Adam, Mox's greatest fear then comes out. What if I lose? Um then actually I kind of thought this was a cool shot where it's now game day against Gilroy, and they start it by showing again, it's not real subtle. They show it by, or started by showing the church tower and there's like a church bell ringing and you see all the people filing into the stadium as if it was like the congregation filing into the church. And you've got this big sweeping shot, like a helicopter shot or something of the stadium. I I thought it was, I mean, again, subtlety, not the, the weapon for varsity blues, but I thought it was kind of a cool sequence and they made their point with
4: some cool shots. Brian Robbins didn't play Eric on head of the class for multiple seasons without learning a little something about directing. Let's go to the stadium
3: or the locker room pregame. Kilmer. Everything y'all done to this point
2: means nothing. All them two-a-days in the heat mean nothing. All them games we won mean nothing. If you don't win tonight, no district title, no shot at state. This game is 48 minutes
3: for the next 48 years of your life. Which actually, I think, kind of sums up West Canaan. Right, Adam? Because if they win this game, they're going to be the district champs, 23rd. And they're going to have a chance to go and play for the state title. But if they don't, then they won't. And all you're known for in West Canaan is whether or not you were on a district championship team. Adam? And that's the way Kilmer thinks. And the whole town thinks. Yeah. Uh, Kilmer who's, of course, got mocks under his thumb due to the imaginary Brown scholarship. Remember what I said. Now go fetch me a championship. Go on. And they're running the ball effectively early in the game. Adam, he's sticking to the game plan, running it with Wendell. You might as well stamp U.S. mail on his butt. Yeah, that's what Stud Daddy Tanner says. Uh, they get into the red zone, and, oh boy, Kilmer calls slot right 35 dive. We don't know what that play is, but it's not for Wendell because he is frustrated but Mox will not have it he's going to call slot right 25 dive get Wendell the ball I enjoyed the huddle went from absolutely no way would they accept this until Mox said do you have a problem with Wendell scoring and then everybody was fine they were on board
1: we'll change that to 25 dive what? <laughs> no way man will somebody have a problem with Wendell putting one in the end zone? no sir I didn't think so slot left 25 dive on one left, twenty-five dive on one, ready, break.
4: Yeah. Their backup quarterback, who's played for them for a couple games, they're all right in line with.
3: Yeah, him. Uh, so seven 0 Coyotes because Wendell hits pay dirt. Then Byron Booger Bozell has a long touchdown run for Gilroy, and Adam Gilroy might be the cockiest team I've ever seen in my life.
4: I felt that the roundoff front handspring celebration should have been a flag. The taunting during the play and then on the sideline, it's, it's incredible. They've got too many men on the field. Their celebrations are unsportsmanlike. There should have been some flags. Then Adam Wendell gets hurt. He
3: tore something. Can you fix it?
2: So let us. Make him understand.
4: Well, again, far be it from me to tell someone like Doug Halverson how to do his job. I don't know that he ever goes up to Roy Williams during a game and says, he tore something. Like, aren't you the trainer? Like, what specifically occurred? Yeah. Not uh, from 100 feet away, what do you think happened? I know you were on the headset at the time the play occurred, but put down the headset and give me the medical diagnosis.
3: Gilroy takes advantage of the turnover, touchdown 14-7, to 7, and the taunting gets out of control. The dude, there's, he does a full break dance in yeah. the end zone. Again, no flag. Even stud daddy Tanner says. Caught down there by Matt Garvin the end zone, and look at him Boys. dance with the football. Get some mustard. There ain't no room for that hully gully stuff down there like that.
4: I didn't know what that meant, but I felt he was saying he also felt the breakdancing should have been a flag. Kilmer
3: just trying to get it into the locker room so he can get Wendell shot up, uh, forces uh, Mox to take a knee for the final minute, thirty-eight of the half. The- and rightly gets booed. They even on the radio call it gutless football.
4: <laughs> Which, again, seems harsh on the West Canaan network. But so if- I, I'm going to tell you, if Kilmer re-
3: hears that, no way that dude's the announcer next game. <laughs> Did the other team not have any timeouts? Yeah, you would think they'd be like, all right, we're getting the ball back. Breakdancing time. <laughs> Is Wendell going to get shot in the leg? Is he going to get the shot? Wendell's not sure. Seems like he wants to do it. But then Adam mocks. Mm-mm, no, comes in and says no. Even Tweeter comes in and says, Hey, Coach, I, I heard a pop. You know, I think he's hurt pretty bad. You get out of
2: here. Y'all wouldn't know anything about it. dedication,
3: team play. Lance shows up. Yeah, I would. Don't do it, Wendell. it's not worth the man. To which Kilmer, Adam, who's been in Lance's corner the whole time, Kilmer then says, You gonna listen to that from a gimp who's praying that we'll lose so he can be the missing link? He calls Lance a gimp. He's totally lost control of himself and his team.
4: Things are going south in this halftime locker room.
3: One by one, the players
1: say they're out. They tell Kilmer. Only way we're going back out in the fields without you.
3: And Kilmer goes absolutely crazy. But then, Adam, I think, and by crazy I mean he attacks Moxon. It's a very Woody Hayes kind of moment. Like he knew it was over as soon as this happened. And, Adam, I thought John Voigt pretty effectively delivers the next line. All right, get your helmets on.
2: And take the field. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go now. I'm I'm walking out that door. Want y'all to trust me?
3: Follow me out there. On, let's go. Let's go. And you can tell he's on his line. He doesn't know what else to do because his team's not following him.
4: I enjoyed a couple things about this scene. Number one, Coach Kilmer's answer to Mox's jeans. Are his pleated khakis. Oh, yeah. And two, if you go back and watch when Coach Kilmer attacks Dawson, there's a moment where Dawson's face looks like he truly believes John Voigt's about to kill him. Uh, he clearly thinks there's a chance he may not survive this. So either some great acting by Dawson, probably that, or they were all secretly a little afraid of John Voigt, which we know is not true because Amy Smart said that John Voigt was a great mentor to everyone on that set.
3: Kilmer walks out of the locker room, and Adam, he is all alone, and they make that very clear. He is in a long, oddly lit hallway. He's sad, alone. He walks out with nothing but his banners to keep him company.
4: Very fortuitously, right through the sign that has the exit sign right above. Just in case you're not quite sure where he's going, he is leaving. So
3: now what's going to happen? Well, let's go back to the locker room. Tough look for Mox in his hair with the lighting. And hey, James Vanderbeek, I feel your pain, man. When there's that light like pointing right down on your head, that should be that's not right. Yeah. You can't do that to James Vanderbeek who was uh having the hairline go backwards as a senior in high school, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> To that point, Adam, they show the faces of a lot of guys. On this is the oldest high school team ever. They've got some red shirts. Yeah, they're they're like in a union. They've got, they're like electric workers from New York City. They got to be
4: like forty five years old. Well, they had talked at the picnic about holding back the kid in eighth grade so that he could be older as a freshman. Some of these kids were head, held back multiple decades. Yeah. So that they could play high school football for the Coyotes.
3: Also, whoever's wearing number 42 has the biggest shoulder pads I've ever seen in my life. His head, it looked like, it, it looked like his head was engulfed by the shoulder pads that he was wearing. Um, we did see a couple other names, including Pina. Maybe he's on defense, Adam. Pina.
1: I don't know. Mox has the opposite of Kilmer's speech. Let's go out there we'll play the next 24 minutes for the next 24 minutes. And we'll leave it all out on the field. We got the rest of our lives to be mediocre, but we have the opportunity to play like gods for the next half of football. But we can't be afraid to lose. There's no room for fear in this game. But we go out there, and we give it absolutely everything. That's heroic.
3: let be heroes. Mox has the perspective that the others don't. Yes, he wants to be successful, and he wants to win the football game. But to him, that's all. It's the game. It, it shouldn't represent more than that.
4: I felt like you've got the rest of your life to be mediocre. Yeah. I don't know that that would necessarily get me pumped up. Well, but bad news, Adam, you're in the
3: minority because these guys get really pumped up. And how do they start? With a slow clap. Adam, I mean, it was the, a perfect oh, was yeah. huddle slow clap. Tweeter starts clapping slow. He gets about two slow claps in. Then about three other dudes start slow clapping with him. Next thing you know, it's a wildfire, and everybody is just ripped into a fence. <laughs> Song Nitro Youth Energy by The Offspring. Offspring. I actually thought, again, not a bad musical choice here for this one. It's
4: 1999. Yeah. You, you can do worse than the offspring.
3: Gilroy goes up 17 to 7. Adam, it's got to be the best field goal I've ever seen a high school kicker kick. Yeah, he nailed it. It wasn't a long field goal, probably like 25 or seven yards, and that bad boy's good from 60. Yeah. Adam Lance has essentially taken over the offensive coordinator position, and he says, time to go oop to oop. They practiced it one day, several weeks ago, and now they're going to just put everything on the line because they're down 10 in the fourth quarter, 17-7. to 7. Time to go oop-de-oop. Hey, listen
2: up, listen up. I need five wide
3: receivers. You run in the oop no tight ends, no running backs. I want four
1: receivers stacked left. Tweeter, you on the right. We're going to overload their left side, force them to cover Tweeter one on one. And no huddles. What? I'll call the place from the line. Defense will never know what hit them. All right, let's go. Come on, break it. Three, one, two,
3: three, go.
4: Well, the one time they practiced it, it got short circuited by Coach Kilmer, Yeah. who's no longer there.
3: So they're going five wides and Adam, complete confusion from the radio announcers, from Gilroy, from the people in the stands. No one has any idea what to do.
2: Don't know what you call this
3: offense, but look at all those receivers.
2: please one more time and they hurry up to the line of scrimmage. Look at all the receivers.
4: There are people actively counting the receivers on their hand.
3: <laughs> yes, Chet is counting the number of receivers. Uh, Quick shot uh, just to close the Kilmer loop. He's packing up his office. We get the reflection shot in a trophy. That's all he's become, Adam. (laughs) These trophies and banners. Fast forward back to the game. It is fourth down. There are 38 seconds left. And the good guys are down. West Canaan's down 17-14.
4: Well... After they scored to make it 17-14, Stud Daddy says... While the cows
2: celebrate the question I've got to you, where in the world is Bud Kilmer? What? you heard his feelings? Well, after the touchdown, I was looking down on the sideline, and he's nowhere to be found.
4: Maybe falling a little short on their job here, you didn't look a for... sideline reporter. You didn't look for the coach who the stadium is named after, who is basically the king of the town, until midway through the fourth quarter, you didn't notice that he wasn't there?
3: Also, Gilroy has a live horse on their sideline?
4: Yes. The Virginia Cavalier yeah, I is wonder, they, on the sideline. You
3: never learn Gilroy's mascot. They're I, the
4: Mustangs. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah. so they're the Mustang. There's a sign that says something about Mustangs. But this Mustang, like Mustangs are wild horses who don't have a rider. This Mustang has a rider, as we're soon to find out when we go back to our clock management. So it's fourth down, and Gilroy's going to punt.
3: And for some reason, now I understand it would have been difficult, but for some reason, everybody just proclaims, if they don't block this punt, the game's over. Well, it's not. It would have you had a long field.
4: Coach Kilmer's not here. You're not going to take a knee
3: anymore. Yeah, the game's not over. But so they go all in to try and block it. And Billy Bob, not normally a member of the punt team, goes out there, takes out two blockers on the initial snap, clears out the personal protector, And Tweeter's right behind him and blocks the punt. By the way, really poor decision by the personal protector because at one point he has the choice of blocking Billy Bob or Tweeter and he takes Billy Bob.
4: Yeah. Billy Bob's not going to hurt you in that scenario. That is – he's going to physically hurt him. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, that is just negative decision-making. Yep.
3: 27 seconds left after the block, Adam. Now Foo Fighter Hero comes on big time. Pass to Tweeter. But he didn't get out of bounds. Adam, we know that you've got to stop the clock. And so Mox calling back to just a few minutes ago where he hit the Hornet in the face, throws and hits the man riding the horse in the back and knocks him off the horse. And let me tell you, that guy is not happy. <laughs> but the West Kane and Coyote mascot, he is happy because he has. <laughs> we'll get a shot of it.
4: But again, I think you probably gave away an entire
3: play, yeah. not just spiking the ball. So we're down to seven seconds left, Adam. What play should they run? Mm. Lance, in full subtlety, subtlety, gives the play call from the sideline of Hook, putting the fish hook in his mouth, and Ladder, as he shows the motion of climbing up a ladder. And then when Mox understands the call, Lance is the happiest man in the stadium. He's like, yeah, all right. (laughs) Time to go slow-mo in silence, Adam. And pass to Tweeter. We saw the play in practice. Didn't work. Tweeter able to get it to Billy Bob. He breaks three tackles, then has three men on his back. But in the great words of the West Canaan Coyote Sports Network.
2: Good gosh, your Billy Bob. Bob. Billy Bob. Billy Bob oh with, couch couch with, 23 district oh. championships.
4: Six defenders. Yeah. Billy Bob goes through. Yeah. That's a good run. So, Adam, to
3: tie it all up, Mox is going to give us a little monologue to close it out, just like he gave us a
1: monologue to start it and off. for some of us, it ended without us knowing Maybe these were the last days. I never played football again. But I will never forget that day. Billy Bob cried because he's a bit of a crier. And Tweeter drank beers because, well, Tweeter drinks beer. Lance is happy. He found his calling as a football coach. Wendell got his ride to Grambling. That statue still stands, but only because it was too heavy to move. Kilmer never coached again. I took my scholarship, and I will graduate from Brown University. The day was ours, and no one can ever take it away.
3: And Adam, my friend, that is varsity blues
4: <laughs> just a couple notes that i can't remember if we mentioned the billy bob gun scene was the day frank sinatra died ron lester who played billy bob was a big frank sinatra fan evidently and he said those were real tears yeah. because he was thinking about the impact frank sinatra had, yeah. had on his whole blue eyes uh the football coordinator for the movie was mark ellis He also did The Program, which might be a good one for this, actually. Jerry Maguire, which absolutely would be a good one for this. I love that movie. It would be good. And uh, The Waterboy. The old players that we were just talking about, other than the main characters, uh, they assembled 40 of the best young football players in West Texas to play uh, the other folks because Mark Ellis wanted the football to be realistic. And that's how he did it.
3: Well, I will say, and I've said that I, I think they did a good job with the football being really, I, I think it is one of the more realistic movies from the football side of thing. I mean, obviously the hook and ladder to be, I mean, some of it's silly, but the action shots, right. and I think it's. Pretty good. I mean, they have it ramped up a little bit because it's the movies, but I thought it, it looked good and the angles they got were cool. And, you know, they had like a tracking shot where they're going next to Moxon one time when he's running down the field. I mean, I thought that that part was actually really cool. I thought
4: the execution of the football was really good. Yeah. Some of the play calls or whatever, maybe not what you want, but I thought the execution was good. Good job, Mark Ellis.
3: Adam, anything else? No. Time for your Roadhouse Challenge grade.
4: Okay. I don't know how to grade this because. Is the Roadhouse scale the 80s-ness of a movie, or is it the of-its-era-ness? Well... Because I think this has a chance to totally change the Roadhouse challenge. Right.
3: So, Dirty Dancing, we docked Dirty Dancing, at least I did in my grading, because it was more 60s era. Now, also, Dirty Dancing had none of, like, the -the over-the-top ridiculousness necessarily, although there was maybe a little in the dancing. That you think about for Roadhouse. I think Varsity Blues has the over-the-top ridiculousness just in the whole thing of, the whole experience, but it is not 80s, so you got to find that balance, Adam.
4: But it is very of its era. It's very it's 90s. very 90s. Yeah. So I think, and again, I think this might be a pivot for the Roadhouse Challenge because we're opening the door to a whole nother decade. I'm going four Roadhouses wow. for the over-the-topness and the absolute nailing the era.
3: Roadhouse. 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 Wow. That makes me rethink my vote. Because I felt like I needed to stay true to the Roadhouse Challenge, Adam. So if I gave Dirty Dancing two and a half, which was it was fine. But there were some things. This is better than Dirty Dancing in the Roadhouse Challenge sense. I'm not saying it's a better movie than Dirty Dancing. I'm saying in the Roadhouse Challenge sense, I was gonna go three. But I'm going to go to three and a half roadhouses. Roadhouse. 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 Road. Because, to your point, it's over the top. It's ridiculous. You know what era it's from when you watch it. It is not 80s, which has been the original guidelines for the Roadhouse Challenge. But, Adam, I got to tell you one thing about that, sir. Things change, Mox. You're the starting quarterback now
4: the mere presence of James Vanderbeek in the starting quarterback role is worth at least one additional point on the roadhouse scale. Like, you know, when you see that this movie was made sometime right around 2000, there's no other time yep. in the history of the world that James Vanderbeek would have played that role. So
3: in conclusion, Adam, Far City blues is nothing more than a fun guilty pleasure movie. I think it could do without a little bit of its trying to make social change-ness. Just embrace what it is. Because what it is is a pretty fun football movie. Very predictable. Good guys win in the end. And a fun watch with some fun
4: parts. If this comes on TNT tonight, will you watch it?
3: I honestly was thinking about watching it again I have the DVD. I started watching on DVD, finished on Amazon, and I thought to myself, you know, I'd like to watch it again without having to pause to write down a bunch of notes. Mm.
4: Just let it soak in. Yeah. Does your DVD have extra features?
3: Uh, you know, I honestly don't know. Oh, you need to find I've always out. just gone straight to the oh. main course, because why would you do anything else? Mm. You might have some delete. You might find out about the trains. So, Adam, how do we do? First ever standalone roadhouse challenge.
4: There is absolutely nothing else to talk about. We must only discuss Varsity Blues.
3: Well, that was a fun little ride. I liked that more than I thought. To the district title. Yeah, that's right. And beyond? (laughs) Well, for some of us, it ended that day. (laughs) Okay, so we're back tomorrow with a regular edition of the pod. But Adam, here's something we haven't even thought about. How do we get out of here? We don't have a James Vanderbeek. See you later. But what about just Katrina?
4: I think that makes sense. The only other person I could think of would be possibly Cooter, who's also from the entertainment industry.
3: <laughs> well, we've expanded our horizons so much here recently with our guests. We have people from all over, all all walks of life. Yeah, that's right. I think it should be Katrina.
4: Okay, that's fair. Uh, I'll I'll tell James Vanderbeek he doesn't need to call back.
3: All right, so Katrina and the Riz are going to get us out of here, but we're back tomorrow with a regular edition of the pod.
4: So when you see that pop up in your feed, yeah. don't think, oh, I already heard that. This is some sort of glitch no. with this technology. Yeah, that's a brand new pod. Brand new. I got a question. If you're going to be in the hundred percent club, I you have to listen to all the Roadhouse challenges. Yeah. Is that correct? Gotta have them both. Because this, this is part of that. Got to have them both. Yeah. It's, not stand, it's, it's standing alone, but it's not standalone. This is so simple. I'm glad it all worked out so easily.
3: All right. So for now, we're going to let oh, our sweet jewel Katrina and the Rizza get us out of here on the latest edition, the first edition of a standalone Roadhouse Challenge in the Carolina Insider.
0: See you later, Big Green. I'm a small. Had nothing at all. We used to eat grits For dinner.
2: Pound box of sugar in a stick of margin. A hot pot of grits kept my family from starving. Steamy hot meal served less than five minutes. Big silver pot, boiling water, sort in it House full of brothers and sisters, the pot's missing Pilgrim on a box, on the stove, in the kitchen When
0: I was small We had nothing at all
4: A little bit great. The
3: preceding
2: has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Tar Heel Sports Network. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Pepper play sets. Pepper Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.